0: Welcome to the OC Endurance Podcast. My name is Chris Elmore, along with my
1: host, Austin Ray. How you doing, Austin? I'm doing well, man. It's a good, good. start to the week, holiday weekend. Yes, Can't and complain. we
0: are down one host this week. Tony mm-hmm. is uh, probably right about now getting a massage. He bailed <laughs> on us at the last second, but it was a surprise. He got a surprise <laughs> recovery appointment, so uh, he will be missed. He won't be dropping his Tony wisdom bombs on us. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but, we're going to be uh, missing those, but uh, he's getting a, a nice massage, get some recovery for his big race weekend coming up. So, yeah, he leaves early. I
0: think he leaves Wednesday
1: or something like that, headed to Hawaii seventy point three. Oh, that's super early for him. They're racing Saturday, isn't? Oh it? man, yeah. he's a he's a last minute flying on Friday type of guy, right? <laughs> it is Hawaii.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Any reason to get there early? Yeah. But before we jump in the show, we have a great guest who uh, we've both gotten to know through uh, Orange County Endurance. And actually, I get to know uh, Josh. Josh Hall is our guest today uh, through Sujin, who's one of the founders of OC Endurance, and she is on the Varlow team with Josh. But before we get to Josh, Josh is an elite swimmer and uh, had had an amazing swimming career and quite the triathlete as well. So looking forward to getting to... Talk to him about all of his history and uh, everything that he has coming in the future. But before we get into that, I wanted to mention a couple things, do some uh, uh, intros or reminders. Uh, You can find us on Instagram at oc.endurance and you can find us on our website at ocendurance.com. And then if you have questions, we want to uh, give the ability to send us questions. So podcast at ocendurance.com. If there's guests or anything you want to hear, um, questions answered, things like that. Feel free to submit them. So,
1: so how's your week going, Austin? It's going well. Can't complain. Had a, you know, nice Saturday ride with our current guest right now. Um, nice couple hours, pretty easy, but it's just nice to be outside and have some good weather. Um, we started fairly early. It wasn't too cold and then just a long run on Sunday, you know, nothing, immediately coming up. So I'm just kind of keeping base fitness, building a little bit here and there. Uh, just getting ready for a later part of the season, really. How about yourself?
0: Yeah, no, I had a good week, actually, just building. Finally, it feels good. I, it's like I'm making progress. I'm, uh, I actually did my first run uh, outdoors uh, yesterday, just thirty minutes, nice and easy, nothing hard. I did do a little bit of running. Actually, I can't say it was my first one. I snuck in a little bit of running on the uh, track the other night, um, just to see how things felt. Really, just kind of feel—is there any sort of sensation or anything in the injury? Mainly, I've been suffering from uh, tightness in the adductor, so I continue to stretch that. But as far as running and then post-running, no real soreness other than. Soreness from not running in six months, but nothing from the injury standpoint. So, yeah, ramping that up and Yesterday did an open water swim with the uh, with the group down there in Long Beach. That was cool. Did four thousand yards out there. Should have been there with us, Austin. So uh, you guys had Coach Tony out there giving the pointers. Yeah, he was. Well, he didn't have any pointers for me, but uh, oh yeah, yeah. No, uh, actually, he did have a pointer for me. It just wasn't. Uh, <laughs> it it didn't make the video. He, he the only thing which I know I do. He he was saying is when I when I raise my head to sight, uh, mm. my feet drop a little. Right, totally. Yeah, I don't kick anyway, so my feet are always looking to drop. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, I got out, did a half hour run before I hopped in the water. Then did okay. four thousand yards, and that felt good. And then today, you missed it. We did a climb. We did uh, the Baldy climb. Yeah, jealous. Uh, yeah, there's a road out here in California called GMR, Glendora Mountain Road, and it uh, climbs from basically the base. Uh, it's not quite sea level. Maybe you're at 1,000 or so feet and then you climb up to 7,000 feet to uh, the ski resort. But there was a huge crew, the uh, Area 3 endurance crew. They had a bunch of people. Um, so it was, it was fun. It was good. It was cold as
1: hell on the way down. Oh my God, it was kind of sprinkling freezing on the way down. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm incredibly envious of that entire group. I mean, it seemed like a good group of people, all sorts of different abilities, right? You know, people who hammer it and then others who just kind of take it easy, turn around at whatever point you feel comfortable. So that's really cool. And then it's closed to cars on it holidays? It was supposed to be,
0: but uh, none of the gates were closed today. Yeah, no. they were supposed <laughs> okay. to have all those gates. But I think because on the website it said it was closed, mm-hmm. there there weren't very many cars going oh, up great. and down. Uh, as I was coming off the mountain, there was some motorcycles going up, but usually the there's motorcycles buzzing them the hill right. the whole day right and, uh there wasn't anybody so yeah it was That's it awesome. was nice i think and it was super kind of foggy cloudy we were riding in the clouds so the visibility wasn't that great uh in some places but yeah it was cool there was a bunch of people so like you said yeah. a bunch of ability and i was sucking air the whole way up <laughs> i'm just so out of bike shape at this i mean just i'm so out of shape
1: so yeah but that that gets you hyped right cuz you're kind of like <laughs> thinking why i used to be i could do this no problem a couple months ago and then now you're got something to kind of shoot for a little bit, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no. Yeah. I think uh, I'm going to try and get up there at least once every other week and ride. Oh. So, okay. Uh, maybe a little <laughs> midweek 5:30 a.m. now that it's yeah. light, I can ride for a good hour and a half up the hill and nice. get, a, get a session in. So, for, unfortunately,
1: nice. you're too far. Both of you guys are a little far away for that. Yeah. We'd have to Josh and I would have to carpool up to that one. That's uh maybe take turns driving. Maybe that's at a, 4 a.m. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Well, cool. Well, let's not delay any further get josh on here and talk you are our i think you're our second guest this is our third episode and you know the last episode with annie numbers doubled from the first episode so i expect high things from you josh (laughs) we don't triple the numbers
2: (laughs) no pressure no pressure
0: (laughs) no pressure pressure. but yeah like i said i got to know josh through sujin and he is a a varlow athlete so we'll give varlow a shout out they make uh triathlon apparel, really, really nice triathlon apparel. So I've mm-hmm. got a bunch of their stuff. And uh, Josh, like I said, is an elite swimmer. I believe you grew up in Wisconsin. Is that correct?
2: Sure did. Good old yes. Midwest.
0: And uh, was uh, an elite college swimmer, uh, five-time Big Ten medalist, right? Qualified for the uh, individual or the Division One double NCAA championships in the breaststroke. I believe you had the fastest breaststroke at your institution, right? You're uh, college? During the,
2: time, the, during the s- time, I'm now washed up in comparison. To some of other <laughs> but there, at but the time,
0: <laughs> you held the fastest breaststroke for yes. the
2: University of Minnesota. Records are meant to be broken. So. Yeah, that's right. But that's huge.
0: That's huge. And then you also qualified to compete in the 2012 uh, U.S. Olympic trials for both the 100 and 200 breaststrokes. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, that is correct. Yeah.
0: And Extremely then beyond that, great. we'll get into all of the great things you've been doing in triathlon. But welcome to the show, man.
2: Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm so envious first and foremost, Chris, of, of your podcast voice. It's like, (laughs) it's like truth, truthfully, like it's a true podcast voice. And I've I've listened to my voice quite a bit just as a result of, uh, my own profession, like where I actually make money outside of triathlon. And, um, It's nothing like yours. If I had a voice like yours, I'd have been promoted years ago.
0: So. <laughs> sounds like I need a new career.
2: Yeah. No, trust me. You have <laughs> you have going for you. Not to discount Austin, by the way. Like, he probably has his second greatest voice here. Um, i sure. kind of like that,
1: that color commentator. I just come in, you know, here and there and add some depth. Chris does it all, man. He sounds perfect <laughs> for the job.
2: Every Michael Jordan needs a Scottie Pippen. I'll tell you that, That's right. right?
1: Oh.
0: There you go. Well, Austin is lucky enough to be training with you pretty regularly, right? You guys are, I mean, at least from a standpoint of cycling, are you guys cycling quite a bit together nowadays?
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, almost every weekend now, um, which is great for me. Um, I like historically have never trained with anyone throughout my entire, like whatever, very short lived triathlon career. But every weekend now I at least have a buddy to ride with and, Uh, the faces on the trails are getting way more familiar than I would ever thought to almost to a point where I feel like, am I getting popular, you know, because I know so many people, and then I realize it's as a result of all the connections you all have when it comes to that. So.
0: It's funny, though. I was talking about it uh, this weekend, actually, when Stephen and I were riding. We saw so many people on the trail, right? We saw uh, you in Austin and uh, we saw Annie as we were coming towards the end. And it's it's crazy how I used to ride that trail all the time and not see a soul that I knew. But now that we've got this community, you see so many people. Uh, It's just even though you're not training with them, it's really cool just to see their faces week after week.
2: Absolutely. I mean, it's like, like, truthfully, it's like one of the more comforting things that is out there, like uh, training alone for so long, just personally, and then being able to now ride consistently and see faces that I know, knowing I'm not alone, like, especially in those very, like, deep moments where you're like, wow, I might not make it home. You (laughs) see all these other people, and they're posting these workouts on Strava. Like, let's just bike up Mount Baldy just for fun. Um, like those types of workouts, uh, it motivates you to make sure that you get back home.
0: Yeah, well, you're you're always right at the top of that leaderboard. I couldn't believe it. I was, I was thinking I might be near the top this week. And then I get home, I'm thinking, all right, I got a good ride. And then I've got another, you know, uh, I had the swim and all this stuff. And then you freaking did a hundred mile ride that day.
1: Hold on. So Chris, just to jump in, Josh didn't know that this leaderboard exists (laughs) until Saturday. So he's been putting up these hours leading the leaderboard. And when you made that comment after we, we, we left from you guys, he goes, what, what's this leaderboard he's talking about? It's like, oh, it's Strava, you know, this, oh, you can see like how it stacks up. I go, yeah, it's actually pretty fun. Everybody kind of, you know, how's this person doing? Where did I stack up? So this whole time he's been leading and getting people motivated to train, no idea that it exists. Yeah. So then he throws down a hundred mile ride the last day. Right. Uh, and, or I
0: guess it was the second to last day maybe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, you'd, boom, straight, straight to the top of the leaderboard.
2: That's so. my goal. I mean, honestly, once Austin told me about the, the leaderboard that existed on Strava, I said to myself, there's like two reasons. First and foremost, Austin said he had to do a leg day after he split <laughs> off from me, which I was like, well, that's at least another 20 to 30 miles that I have to do to be in comparison And the second thing that he said was Chris really prides himself on being the top of the leaderboard. And so I went ahead and I gandered just to see how much longer I would need to bike. And I was like, my legs feel fresh, you know? (laughs) And if it wasn't for uh, other engagements that uh, required my attention, I would have been out there all day. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Just to make sure I just... Just try my best to bury Chris. On yeah, the yeah,
0: one hundred percent. Well, I'm great during the week, right? I can get two hours a day during the week, and then the weekends hit, and I because I haven't been training, I don't have any endurance to go out and ride five hours or run more than thirty minutes. So I get crushed on the weekend by all of you guys.
2: But still, it's like even just to think, though, like I was looking at the leaderboard, Chris, to to see that you're coming off an injury and you still have like the. The motivation to be able to train with an injury in comparison to me and Austin, who are, like, I, I would say we're fully functioning adults in the triathlon world at this time. <laughs> I, I would say that's pretty incredible because if, if I had an injury, I'm going to tell you something. The leaderboard would be the last of my worries when it came down to that. <laughs> well, it's just ramping
0: back away. up. I, I haven't been anywhere near there. So luckily in the last two weeks, I think, I think it's this podcast, actually. This podcast has motivated me to, to start training. It got me to purchase a ticket to Finland, which is official now. I got a place uh, to stay. Yeah, last week I was saying that I was going to go. And then Wednesday, I'm at track with Tony and I'd spent uh, the morning looking for tickets and uh, plane tickets, no problem. But there isn't a place to stay in Finland within an hour of the race. And you've got to take the train and all this Stuff So uh, Wednesday, I'm like, yeah, man, I'm not going. And so then the next day I get a text from him or he sent me a text like 1030 at night, which is essentially the next day to me. I was gone. I was asleep. And uh, so then I, I talked to him in the morning. He's like, why don't you just stay at our place? right He talked to Nadia and his sister. And, and so I'm like, score. Now I have a place to stay. So I'm locked in the ticket this week. So now I'm motivated to train. All right. Well, that's enough about me and my voice. Let's talk to you about your, uh, your swimming career, your upbringing. I know you grew up as a swimmer, your dad taking you to swim meets. Uh, if, for, for those of you, Farlow did a really cool profile. You probably helped write it, but all about your history. And, and it's amazing knowing you, how chill you are, right? And just relaxed. You would never know. That you were an elite swimmer, holding records, tried out for the Olympic trials, and now you're you're an amazing triathlete. So uh, I'm interested to kind of hear the backstory from how you got from you know being a swimmer, your dad taking you to meets, to where you are now.
2: Yeah, I mean that's a. Uh... That's a, that's a that's a pretty long story, but I, I can talk definitely in terms of how I got in triathlon first. And
0: more, <laughs> well, the cool thing is this podcast; it's it's kind of in the cloud, so it just runs for hours. I mean, we could just you could just talk. We could, for just, hours. could
2: just keep looping. Yep. I could talk all night. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I prefer not to hear my voice ever. But um, I think I think one of the the best things about Ironman is it was something I was exposed to as a little kid, just as as a result of uh, just my dad telling me I can't do things. And there was, there was one time I I remember, and I had a very visceral reaction towards it when my dad was telling me about one of my middle school teachers who does this thing called Iron Man's. And I was just like, what, what, what the heck is that? he's like, well, just imagine what you do, Bubba. And Bubba's my nickname, by the way, just to provide context there. He's like, so he swims and then he bikes like a, like a very long way, like 112 miles. And then he runs a marathon after And it's about the distance that we're about to drive from Wausau, Wisconsin to Madison, Wisconsin. And he wasn't lying either. It was was like almost the amount of distance that it takes to do an Ironman. And I was just like, I mean, being a cocky little kid at that time, I was just like, absolutely, I can do that. And it's like, no problem. And he said, good luck, Bubba. And in my mind, once my dad told me that I couldn't do that, and it was like inferred, of course, but it was like one of those things where the moment he challenged me, I always promised myself for the rest of my life that I was going to finish an Ironman. And uh, that's how kind of the triathlon journey started.
0: That's great. But you were already swimming at that point.
2: Absolutely. So, uh... so if we, if we backtrack just a little from there, that, that moment didn't come for another like 17 to almost 20 years following. Um, You know, I was, I was a swimmer my entire life. I started swimming when I was like eight years old. And um, continued swimming all the way until I was like 25 years old. So a good almost 17 years uh, of a career. How old are you now? uh, 32. Okay. Hmm. I know you might not see it because well, (laughs) I look like maybe I'm 20, but uh, (laughs) I'm 32. You can just credit to my uh, Filipino genes in terms of what I look like. But but yeah, I mean that was that was my entire career, 17 years of swimming. Um, and I wasn't even able to approach the triathlon career because uh, my my career, my profession, up until this point, when I moved out to California, was just it was literally swimming back and forth in a pool my entire life. So
0: yeah. And your your specialty was breaststroke. That's primarily what you were swimming.
2: I was a breaststroker, and you might think I was a very talented swimmer, and like that, my swimming relates to Ironmans or triathlons at, at all. But uh, we don't swim breaststroke in triathlons, so yeah. I was however, just gonna say you
0: probably should just swim the breaststroke, and you'd beat everyone anyways.
2: It's pretty. Uh, you know what? My freestyle is very close to as fast as my breaststroke, which is which is not like a. Uh, I'm not proud of that by any means. However, you know, uh, it does provide me. Comfortability in the water—that's
0: for yeah. sure. That always drives me nuts. I swim with a masters program, and you know there there are some really good swimmers there, right? There's a bunch of college swimmers, swimmers that have been swimming their entire life, and um, so they they kick my butt every single day. But lately, you know, we're doing I—they're doing ims, and I'm not because I can't really do um, a lot of butterfly kick because my abs, you know, the uh, injury, or even breaststroke because of my uh, pubic bones, but some of these people they are just as fast as i am swimming freestyle as the, and they're doing you know ims and just cranking them out and it's just like it's so frustrating to see them jamming and it's like all right backstroke i'm like all right i got this nope nope somebody is going to beat me doing backstroke or breaststroke or whatever it is so
2: you know th- thankfully though it's such a small part of triathlon it's just like you know what those guys can be all they want in terms of those little water lilies around there. <laughs> you're you're gonna be just fine. You know, once you get on that bike and run, they they've got nothing compared to you.
0: Yeah, no, I do try and tell myself that, but it's still it's it's amazing how and it's one of those sports, right? That you don't see improvement near as fast as you see in cycling or running, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the improvement is so small over years and years. So it's very frustrating. It's such so it a.
2: Well, cause I, I, it's also like one of those things where I feel like biking and running, it's like, it's such a natural thing that you do as a child. And I guess swimming is another one of those things that like you get accustomed to, but I don't think it comes naturally to a lot of people. I mean, I mean, looking at both of you, how many times have you seen someone who's doing triathlon where they say, Oh, I could bike and I could swim the entire thing. I mean, sorry, bike and run the entire thing, but I'm so scared of the swimming part. Right. 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 Like it happens all the time. It just and you just want to put in their mind. It is such a small portion. In fact, if you're a swimmer, I feel like you do have a little bit of advantage up front when it comes to the race. But man, um, once once the latter part comes, you'll be humbled incredibly yeah. over the duration of the entire race.
0: <laughs> well, let's. I want to go into a little bit of your. Um career as a swimmer, not just gloss over it. Right. Obviously, sure. um, you held some records. We talked about that. You competed at a high level in college, but you also, uh, you competed for the Philippines. Is that correct?
2: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, um, like, uh, just give like information and context towards that is, is, uh, my mom is fully Filipino. My dad is American. My dad was like, uh, contracted with the, with the CIA and black ops. And when he was in the Philippines, that's when he met my mom. So at birth, I was actually born in Germany. I know this is just like wow, where have been? But we'll, we'll get to it. But at birth, I was a, a Filipino citizen and an American citizen, so I was a dual citizen. And it was something that my mom has always brought up when I was a kid: is that I'd have the opportunity to represent the country of the Philippines if I ever desired it, or if I was ever good enough to be able to do it overall. So. Um, following my career, uh, swimming at 2012 Olympic Trials for the U.S. I know is something that I'd always want to pursue. It's not that I was a bad swimmer in in the U.S. I mean, even to qualify for Olympic Trials or to know that you know I could make a semifinal or final at Olympic Trials, it was it was great. But I mean, to qualify for the U.S. Olympic team is one of the most challenging things that could possibly occur. You have to not only be one of the best in the world, but you have to be really good on that one day. Yeah. Um, and so I knew that probably my best, my best shot, like overall, just internationally was to go swim for the Philippines. And so following the 2012 Olympic trials, I, uh, I pursued that. And truthfully, it was one of, one of the greatest experiences I've ever had. Um, I, I went to like four world championships, uh, multiple Asian games, Southeast Asian games, got to meet some of the most incredible people that I've ever met. In my entire life, I got to travel the world, um, getting paid to do it during the entire time. Uh, And it truthfully was like so amazing. I, I, I wish I could put that reaction in terms of my feelings when I was swimming into someone else's body so they could actually like find the gratitude in it. But uh, mm-hmm. man, it was it was uh, it w- it was something else. So, uh,
0: did you move from the U.S. to the Philippines during that time? Or are you able to represent the Philippines living in the U.S.? How's yeah, that work? so, I,
2: so I, the great question, and uh, I was able to represent the Philippines while training in the U.S. Um, the the coach at the University of Minnesota happens to be one of the best breaststroke coaches in the I would say the country, but truthfully, in the entire world. So, I was training in the U.S. in Minnesota, but I was probably gone abroad, either training abroad or traveling abroad competing about half the year. So I was pretty much a transplant coming back and forth, back and forth, um, just competing and swimming.
0: You always wondered how that worked when you represented a country, if if you needed to be living there a certain amount of time, or if it really just had to do with uh, your citizenship and you could live anywhere in the world. As long as you had citizenship, you you could represent the country.
2: Yeah, I, I, know, I know for a lot of countries out there, like if you were to represent them, you do have to live there for a certain amount of time for them to be able to represent. But as a result of like I was an automatic citizen, I I was welcome to do what I wanted. But also the, the country itself was very um, accommodating towards me where they just wanted me to do what was best for me. And then the majority of the time that I was traveling abroad was like I could go to the Philippines whenever I wanted to make sure that I could um, get over the jet lag and get accustomed to the time zone prior to competing at any uh, of the major meets. So,
0: yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's pretty neat. When you were competing for uh, the Philippines, then you were at that point. Did you you were competing? You said like Pan Am Games and things like that. So you were competing against the U.S. at that point and other mm-hmm. um, other swimmers. At what point uh, did you decide? Okay, I'm I'm done with a swimming career. Like, how old were you? You said,
2: yeah, yep. Yeah. So um, it was in 2016, and it was you know for a couple of years when you're doing swimming for that long, it's like 17 years of my life. It was pretty much my entire life that I was doing this, it, at least like the most conscious part of my life. And um, it it just seemed to be a natural stop after the whole like Olympic uh, frame. It's like every four years. Or in 2016, I just decided in my career personally, that I wanted to do other things within my life. And since I spent so much time doing it and, uh, you know, quite frankly, I was training probably 20 to 30 hours a week, doing the same thing for that long. Um, everybody needs a change at that point. And so, uh, one of my best friends who also swam with me in college, um, he was getting relocated out here to California. And, uh, he, he asked me, he's like, Hey bud, do you want to Go ahead and move out to California. It was like a three-second conversation. I said yes because it was the perfect time period where I was I wasn't going to go through another Olympic cycle until 2020. Um, I wasn't there's no way I could train another four years. I'd just been dead. Uh, so I decided to move out to California, and that was kind of like the start of like a new chapter in my life, which kind of leads into the whole triathlon thing eventually. But it took me a little time to have the courage to to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, that's cool, man. So then, so then there's a time gap when you, obviously you ended swimming and you, you have a career now, you're doing other things. There was a time gap between that time and then when you found triathlon or when you came back to triathlon. It wasn't like an immediate thing that you finished swimming and, and decided, hey, and I'm, cool. a, I'm, I'm go, taking go on, on the Ironman.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely not. There's, I uh, I definitely needed a break from all athletics at that point. In fact, even like staring at a pool gave me a rea- – like I was not interested in working out. I was not interested in being active. I was not interested in doing anything. Um, so for probably about like a good year to a year and a half, I felt like I was just like, Can I-, I just want to be a normal person for one second and just uh, – I don't know. Just give give your soul a chance to breathe for, yeah, for a little bit from athletics. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, we have another high-level swimmer, Shay,
0: who uh, swims. Uh, she swam with Princeton. Have you met Shay?
2: I actually have not, no. Okay. Been,
0: yeah, she's a great swimmer. And um, she just competed this weekend, actually, in Canada in her first half Ironman. So I think she swam like a 28. So she had a really good swim there.
2: That's a studly uh, swim right there.
0: Yeah. So, uh, but in talking to her, she hasn't been out of school that long, right? And she's uh, in med school now, I believe. So when I asked her, I'm like, so do you train with a master's program? And she's like, oh, no, no, no. That is way too intense for me at this <laughs> point, right? Like it's just too close. She came out of swimming very hard and she doesn't need, like you, I've heard you say, you don't really go swim for an hour, three days a week as a triathlete, right? How much swimming do you do now training for triathlon?
2: Um, it's, I I feel bad about saying this because you absolutely should swim for triathlon, by the way, everybody should swim. I should actually swim more than I do, but I probably swim like once a week at this point. Um, and maybe like do 2000 yards and then prior to any large like triathlon competition, what I'll do is I'll take like a month or thirty days prior and then I'll go ahead and, and be in the pool just so I get a good feel for it. Just knowing like the background I have in the sport allows me to do that. But I would not encourage that to anybody whatsoever on any level to yeah. to go ahead and do it my way. It's just the way that's always worked for me. Um, but I definitely have a better relationship with the sport following As well. So, so I mean, it's it's not like it's taxing on me. It's just I'm not that great of a biker and I'm not that great of a runner. So I might as well work on my weaknesses. So,
0: yeah. Well, well, I mean, you're going to, yeah, at this point, you're not going to get much return on swimming, right? You get much, much better return putting that somewhere else. So, yeah, that's (laughs) interesting that, uh, I mean, but you've done it for so long. I mean, you've done it your entire life. So for you to take, you know, six months off or not, it's probably not even six months because you're racing, uh, Probably a little more than six months. I don't know how yeah. often are you racing right now.
2: Um, I mean, uh, when I first got in the sport, I was probably racing like at least like every three months. But um, like this year specifically, I think I'm doing like one race every six months. I think I'm on the same track as Austin uh, yeah, when it comes much. down to the Ironmans that we're doing, um, which is what which is why he's such a great training partner as well. Because we have to do the same races, which means that we have to be training. The same so, amount. And so you do both
0: do in Arizona. We are. You're yeah. doing the full, the full in Arizona. All right. Yeah. That's cool. So, let's talk about your first half Ironman. Or what was your first? Was it a half Ironman, or did you go just straight full Ironman? Man?
2: I, I went straight to it. Uh, <laughs> um, like talking about the lag from like 2016 to about like 2018, um, I wasn't really doing anything. At any form of fitness whatsoever. But I remember in 2018, I was watching the World Championships uh, in Kona live. And uh, and I knew I needed to get back into doing something. I just didn't know what that would look like or what would be like a healthy amount for me to keep me motivated to do it. But I remember watching Patrick Lange win in, in 2018 at the World Championships. And I believe he proposed to his wife. Uh, during that time period and and watching, I think it was Daniela Reef also might've won that year. Yeah. Uh, I saw like the motion behind what they were doing. And I was reminded back to that time uh, when I was driving from Wausau to Madison in regards to when my dad uh, kind of deliberately said that like, good luck to an Iron Man. And, that that like it just got me off the couch instantly, and in fact, so instantly to the point where the next day I actually purchased just a bike. I had no clue what I was purchasing or why I was purchasing it. All I knew was there was two things I was doing as I was getting back in shape, and I was going to go do an Ironman. So then, shortly after that, I signed up for Ironman Tempe in 2019, um, and which gave me about one year to go ahead and and train. To be able to do my first iron man which also don't recommend that to anyone either <laughs> uh, i would recommend just slowly ramping up to it uh there's a lot of lessons learned um going did you do any race.
0: small races sprints olympics anything I, up? I,
2: I did not i'm a i'm a very uh i'm i'm I, I believe the majority of people that know me probably would say i'm sort of an addictive personality where it's like i'm a go big or go home there's probably nothing much in the middle. So I said to myself, my first triathlon, my first marathon, whatever it was going to be, it was going to be during an Ironman. And, um, I'd rather die than not finish it. So
0: nice. So how did, how did that race go?
2: Uh, it was, it was interesting. I'll tell you that. Um, uh, so leading up to that, I had, I had no context in terms of actually how to train. I didn't, I didn't really train with the coach. I didn't train with anyone. All I knew is you need to do a lot and you need to be very fit to be able to do it. So um, over the next year, I learned a lot in terms of like how to train. I mean, you go through a lot of injuries uh, with that. But overall, about I was, I was actually in pretty good shape. About a month leading into that Ironman where I was actually had some good bike fitness, good run fitness, good swim fitness to the point where I knew I was going to finish it. And that was that was the only goal. I had no other goal other than that. And then about a month before uh, Ironman Tempe, I actually was biking down to my friend's place in Encinitas and I fell off my bike uh, so hard that I actually dislocated my shoulder.
0: (laughs) Oh, my goodness.
2: Um, And it. It it, luckily, like the moment it dislocated, it popped back in, so I was great. Um, But I definitely it didn't it didn't feel great. So the whole month leading up to it, all that fitness kind of went downhill a little bit. Where um, my my doctor didn't recommend that I do it first and foremost, which um, as uh, under a person under his profession, I would not recommend anyone do it either uh, going under that, but I had given it a year and I was like, there is no way I'm not going to do this whatsoever. Right. I've given up a large part of my life. So I, I uh, was in a sling biking on a trainer, um, indoors just about an hour a day to keep my fitness up. Um, I had a good friend that was doing iron mans at the time. And he's just like, all you need to do is just do this every single day. You have enough fitness in you to be able to do it. Um, so I didn't run, I didn't swim up until the day of, uh, the Ironman and, um, we were just going to roll the die in terms of, of, uh, what happened on that day
1: and what happened
2: and what happened <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, 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 uh,
1: I pulled up your splits if you want to hear them. I don't know if you remember them. Let's, let's hit it
2: Austin. I'm okay. actually still curious.
1: So you finished the race in 11 hours, 11 minutes and 14 seconds, which placed you 26th in the 25 to 29 age group. And three hundred and seventh overall. You swam fifty-eight minutes thirty-three seconds. You biked six six hours, four minutes, eighteen seconds, and you ran three hours, forty-six minutes, fifty-one seconds.
2: It's a great time for your first time, (laughs) man. It's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. Jeez. Well well what's even what's even nicer is like during the time period is I was like, I I could barely move my right shoulder at the time. So I was like, you know, like when you're swimming and you just like can't lift it. We've all been through those, right? And you're like barely like struggling through the water i mean i might as well have just been treading water at the time but there was a few times where my shoulder my right shoulder hurt so bad that i was just swimming one-handed and i didn't care either like i felt comfortable in the water but to be able to like get out of the water during that time period was amazing um but during the bike ride as well i, I didn't get one flat tire i got actually two flat tires during the time period Wow. and as Austin would know this about me. I, I don't come very prepared to these things. <laughs> Fit, Fitness-wise, I'm very prepared. But, like, uh, operationally-wise, I'm not prepared at all. And uh, I got my first tire, and I had one spare tire. And I changed it out. And I was just like, we're good to go. Five minutes later, got another spare, uh, another flat tire on my other wheel. Didn't know what to do because I didn't have another tire. Didn't know, like, how Ironman races worked. Uh, but there eventually came, like, a moped that, Gave you another tire, so I got that changed out, and then um, I didn't. Then my gears broke as well, so I was in the small ring my entire race after like mile sixty to be able to to bike the rest of the way. Which to to my bike's credit, it probably saved my life, knowing full well that uh, in Ironman Tempe, there's like a huge downhill part. You like go uphill a little bit, and then you go downhill, and you do like three loops of it. And I, w- I was going downhill, and I you, you couldn't pedal. I was in my small ring. So I just literally coasted, which for, it probably saved my legs for the rest of the race to be able to finish in a, in a respectable time. Hopefully respectable to the community, but you know, <laughs> I was just happy I crossed the finish line.
0: Yeah, I know that's awesome. For your very first race, uh, that's pretty incredible to know where you are today compared to your very first race. I mean, obviously, you've come... Uh, really long way. So how many Ironmans have you done from that point to um you had a really kind of successful Ironman California, right? Was that last yeah. last year, right?
2: Last year, yeah. yeah. It was it was kind of like the 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 culmination of just everything just coming together. But like in total of like Ironman races I've done about 7 of them. I've done two full Ironmans and about 5 70.3s. Um, but, but of course, after that first finish, when, when you know that you have a lot more left in you and everything's going wrong and like leading up to that race, you didn't think that you were that bad, but also just seeing the people that were ahead of you, you kind of know there's something else in you. And, uh, that's kind of when I started thinking like, what else can I do with this sport? Um, and then fast forward a, a couple years and, uh, triathlon has probably just completely changed in terms of my mind, in terms of how I approach it.
0: So was Ironman California your third full or your second full? It
2: was, it was actually my second full Ironman that I've ever done.
0: So, okay. So you go into Ironman California and it was last year, 2023. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you set the swim course uh, record or the fastest Filipino. Well, I mean, what, what was the record? You set a record.
2: Yeah, so I it, I guess like technically too, I nothing to admit to that's like absolutely incredible. But I was I was the first one out of the water um, when it came down to us, which was awesome. And yep. then after the race, I found out just because some like, the the previous like Filipino Ironman record holder reached out to me, he's like, "To congratulations on your your Filipino record," and I was just like, "What are you talking about?" Overall, because I, I guess I didn't think about that prior uh to it, but I ended up like uh having a good enough time to to be able to like set the fastest time ever in the nation of the Philippines, which is also pretty incredible.
0: Yeah. Um, so you totally set the course perfect. record. Right. Yep. Fastest Filipino. And did you qualify for Kona at that race?
2: I did. Yeah. That was that was the race I qualified for Kona. So that was that was an exciting time in my life.
0: Yeah. That's pretty awesome.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Second shot out all three of those. That's pretty incredible.
2: Yeah. It was, it was an unreal experience. I mean, truthfully, I know Austin, Austin, you did that, correct? We were, yeah,
1: in, we were on the same way.
2: day and, uh, it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was, there were so many things about that day that I could talk to, but I mean, uh, from the start, like being out first where it was, you feel like an imposter. And what I mean by an imposter is like, you're come out the race and you actually don't know where to go. Cause there's no one in front of you. So like, you don't know like which way you're going and then on top of that in transition you're putting on all your stuff and you're starting the bike ride and then you have like that first place moped in front of you and you're like what is going on you know like this this is like this can't be me right but like it is me for a little bit and then yeah, I start biking awesome. for like an hour like an hour and a half and I'm still winning and then in my mind I'm like are you going to win this race, man? And then, and, then, and, then, and then I was just, I was hum, very humbled in that moment. I was just like, dude, seriously, like you're doing good, but you know exactly what's going to happen. And literally about five minutes later, there's just all these guys with dad strength legs and they're just zooming past me, just zoom, 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 zoom. And then in my mind, I was just like, just manage the race. You're doing great, man. Um, but yeah, it was it was an incredible experience that, overall.
1: Chris, that's from the that's a feeling we will never have seeing the lead <laughs> moped. Yeah. Oh man, yeah,
0: one hundred percent.
1: Yeah, I, and you know, Josh, you were saying you feel like an imposter, but okay. So I have the splits for that race as well. So you swam forty one oh two. You biked five hours four minutes eleven seconds. And you ran three hours, 11 minutes, seven seconds. Your total time was nine hours, 13 minutes, 32 seconds. So that's very far off from being an imposter, being ninth overall and fourth in the age group of 30, 30 to 34. So I know what you mean. You're like, well, this is this is new to me. I shouldn't feel this way. But th- that's not being an imposter. That is being part of that that elite field.
2: Well, I appreciate that, awesome
1: Well,
0: what place were you in your age group?
2: Um, fourth. I think I was, I was fourth and that's really all I cared about because to be able to get it like a slot, yeah, I knew that in that moment, like top three would get me into Kona and then top five would get me like a good shot to be able to get into Kona. So, you know, all I cared about, my friends had like these huge whiteboards out where they would just write my place as I was passing them just to make sure I was in in the right place. And, uh, it turns out to not even be that cool because I got out of the swim and I was winning and I see the whiteboard come up and my best friend just writes like number four on there. Like I was clearly out in front. He was just fooling <laughs> with my mind. And i just like, this is not why I brought you here, by the way, this is absolutely not why I brought you here. Um, but they ended up, you know, of course, um, coming down to earth at the end, after I was getting off my bike and actually giving my, my real places and, and being, honestly, just the, the best cheering squad that I've ever had. At, at, I mean, you guys have all been in Ironmans before. You know what it's like at the very end when you're pushing against the upper limits of your pain threshold. Uh, to have someone that you know, someone say your name, or someone encourage you in those final moments. It just, it means everything to get you across the finish line. Um, and
0: uh, Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, just... Anytime I am lacking motivation, go to a race, right? If you're lacking motivation to get off the couch or even at Oceanside, you ran Oceanside and you, this year, you, you came into Ocean, almost Oceanside with a running injury. I remember, Mm -hmm. um, and but I had just had surgery two weeks or a week and a half before, right? I'm on crutches, go to this race. And it was so inspiring, so motivating, uh, to just be in that atmosphere. There is something about, uh, it's like, it's like none other being in a, an Ironman or even a half Ironman, that atmosphere, everyone there, um, just the energy is incredible. So
2: it's, it's, it's unreal. And, and I've, I don't, I've told Austin this before when we were biking, but like, like, being a, a human being, like, I've, I've done sports my entire life, right? And, and so, like, when I'm in an Ironman, I don't find it to be that incredible, like, that I can finish it. And, and I don't mean that in, like, a, in a bad way. But I've always been so amazed with the Ironman community as, like, you see these people who are not necessarily made to do athletic events, but they push themselves so hard to be like the very last person, like just to finish at the very end, and you see the meaning behind what they're doing and their families and the people around them. Like those are like the true heroes when it comes to this sport. And like I, like truthfully, they they capture the essence of what triathlon has done for me. Like truthfully, like watching these people cross the line who would have never thought that they could call themselves an Ironman, and they do. It's I mean, it's truly. For everyone that's listening, hopefully we get double again. But if not, that means you guys need to get a different different guest. I mean, we've four <laughs>
0: listeners, so yeah, if right. the three yeah. of us listen to it, we need one more.
2: <laughs> that's good. I'll get my girlfriend to watch it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but truthfully, I mean, it's it's truly really one of the most life changing things. So uh, to 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 what you're saying before, it's just it is literally awe inspiring to watch some of these people uh, cross the finish line and the different meaning that Iron Man has to everybody. Is 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 so different, yet it it kind of brings us all together as human beings overall. So,
0: yeah, well, well yeah, especially you, when you are out there, it doesn't matter uh, how fit you are, right? At that moment, when you're cycling by someone, you're running by someone. I mean, you're you're all in it together. So it's it's it is really an amazing connection you end up having. And you know, again, going back to this community we're building, all of us, right? I mean. Being at Oceanside and seeing so many people we know finishing that mm-hmm. that changes the experience as well. When you go to a race, it, you know it's motivating enough, but going to this year's Oceanside, so many people we knew were there racing. It, it makes it such a cool experience to cheer. I mean, we were we were just watching I mean Austin when you were racing Sujin was yep. racing you were racing Josh I mean there were just a ton of people and every it's like every 2 minutes we're trying to move from spot to spot to to track you guys down so that was
2: Yeah it's I mean it's so cool like I think that's like the best thing is to be like running by and to see someone who's going through it for like but you also know their story like for example like Austin like running by like cuz Ocean Side's like a mm-hmm. course where you do a double loop so you get to see people that you've known just like that little high five of knowing what Austin has gone through to be able to get to that point. It is, it is truthfully like, just like, it's like being in Mario Kart and getting a mushroom. It's (laughs) like like just a quick like zip. Now is it lasting? Like, absolutely not. You're still going to be humbled at the end of the day, but it gives you a good like 10 to 30 second boost to get you through the race. I'll tell you that.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I do want to talk about Kona, but I'm going to Austin. I've been hogging the whole conversation, so I'm going to let you jump in. I know you've had some questions, or, or do you have them at, at a certain point? Because I definitely <laughs> want to hear about your Kona experience. Were you at Kona while Tony was at Kona? You guys raced the same time, same year? Wait, who? Uh, me? Yes,
2: uh. Joshua. So actually, um, I qualified last year. So I was like okay. one of the first qualifiers for when they when they started doing like the dual event, men's women. So I actually won't race Kona until twenty twenty four.
0: Ah, okay. So yeah, so you're not okay. So you're you won't race this year. You'll miss Nice. So you got lucky enough to be able to hold it off until twenty twenty four.
2: Yes, I was like one of I, maybe like a couple races in where they gave people the option to either race Nice or defer it out to the next world championships, uh, as a result of it. And, um, however much I'd love to go to France, uh, the reason when I started triathlon was to get to Kona and there's no way I'm giving that up. So, uh, I'm going to wait till 2024.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you had the option, so why would you not? Right. And Absolutely. that just gives you another year and a half to train and more experience and, and enjoy it.
2: And to get fit and be on podcasts and hopefully, <laughs> be at Mount Baldy with you or hanging with you, Chris, even though maybe I could drop, but who knows, you know?
0: Oh, you could drop me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I, I mean, you kind of answered the question already, but if, if it was like, Hey, we're, we're only doing knee slots. Would you have taken one?
2: Um, you know, that's, that's like a really good question is, you know, the world championships are still a world championship. And I'm sure like down the road, if they can, if Ironman continues to do this five to 10 years is that I I hope we live in a world where the world championships is just the world championships. But the reality of the situation is like the, the repetition of being in Kona is it's one of the most meaningful things for the majority of people who do Ironman when it comes down to Kona. And Like I, I, you know, like I can't remember a kid growing up saying, "Hey, by the way, I want to do Iron Man. I want to go to Nice, France." They say I want to go to Kona, so there, there's probably a low likelihood I would have said yes to it uh, if they would have given me the option to still go to Kona as a result of it. But you know, I mean, being in the situation to be able to perform at the highest level in a sport at the highest level, I'll never turn that down. I'll tell you that. But. um, you know, it it has a special meaning to me personally, just with the through line in my life. And I know it has a meaning for other people as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, I certainly see it being your first qualification, how important, right. Or how special it would be to go to Kona. And once you've qualified, I then could see, Hey, Nice being a new challenge, right? It's a totally different course, totally different environment. Um, you've qualified, you've done Kona. Yes, it would be great for it to be there every year, but yeah, the opportunity like you said, it's a world championship, right? 70.3s are never in the same place; they're in a different place every year. So,
2: yeah, and that's the standard that they set, right? When it comes to seventy point three, and I and I hope that it gets to that point as well, where you don't see it like this year, where everyone's just not wanting to go there; they're just waiting for the opposite year. Just as a result of just growing the sport, because at the opposite end of what I'm thinking, right, is like everyone cares about Kona. But at the same time, I think everybody has a responsibility to grow the sport, which means that, hey, by the way, if we are having world championships in two different spots every single year, it does a lot for everybody else as well, where it's Mm -hmm. like, is it about you or is it about growing? And I know that could be an argument, that philosophical argument that anyone could get into, but I think truthfully, we all have a responsibility also as well to make sure that while we're here doing what we're doing we also respect the sport for what it is and and we also have the responsibility to grow it in the way that it is best for it as well
0: yeah that's great i mean that's a great way to put it honestly i mean that yeah. uh because the the argument's been around always where it's at and and that's a really completely different perspective so i think that's a really
1: great way to look at it yeah i mean it seems like you know people are going to start you know, maybe putting weight on the Kona year, quote unquote, but Mm -hmm. like you said, it's still a world championship. So you're still going to have the best competition and and be exposed to, you know, serious athletes. It's just, you know, like this year for us, Josh at Arizona, it's probably going to be fairly stiff competition considering it's late in the year this is going to be a Kona qualifying race. So you got to imagine that people are like, well, I didn't go to Nice. So this is going to be my a race. They're thinking exactly like I did where I'm like, Hey, nobody's going to be racing at this time of year. Should be, shouldn't be too bad, but it's probably going to be a pretty stacked field. So I think we kind of start getting into that. If we can't get people to have your mindset where it's, it's still a world championship. You should show up, you know, and and take that slot. Yeah,
2: it's actually it's actually part of the reason why I signed up for this as well, because I know a lot of people are going to be going for their Kona slots, which means that you're going to have people at the peak in terms of where they're going to be for the year, which is why I was looking forward so much to this, because, you know, especially after Ironman Sacramento, like the thing is, once you do well in any sport, you just want to see how far you can take this. And uh, so I was really excited because to your point, Austin is like, hey having another year where you get the best coming into a race where it's like one of the first qualification spots for 2024, even though I won't take one because I respectfully, um, had my opportunity in the past. Um, I'm really looking forward to be people like being as prepared as possible because I think when you're at your best and you're racing the best, I think that's kind of the true test of, um, how good you actually feel towards, or at least your perception towards uh, the sport in general.
1: So, yeah. you, you hear that, Chris? He's he's just playing into my plan. He's going to take one of those slots and roll it down to me. You see? I, I, just, I that's heard it. I mean, person. that's what's amazing. Right? He's, he
0: will take it and he will. <laughs> be able to roll it down which is a really really cool thing actually to be in a position where you already qualified and you actually get to if you want show up grab your award and not take your spot i mean that's 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 a pretty cool situation to be in
2: i mean speaking of mario kart you know what i'll do is well, austin (laughs) will be ahead of me first and foremost but if by the off chance that i'm ahead of him uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw some red shells at some of the competitors to ensure that Austin comes up to the front as well.
1: Are Very you good. planning on drowning in the swim? How, how, how am I going to get in front of you? <laughs> 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 yeah. Cause if I don't, if I don't get a five minute head start on you or something, I mean, I'm not going to see you the entire day unless we pass on a loop on the run or something.
2: Well, you never know my shoulder. Uh, it happened one time, you know, two times the charm. Or is that third time this <laughs> time? <laughs> I just made
1: well, up my I've, own quote. Quote me on that. Uh, um, I, I've I've seen the grit I, to just kind of a story. The two weeks ago when we rode and um, Josh did not have we didn't we didn't think he had his uh, his di two or I guess he's SRAM on it, but his electronic shifting charged. Turns out is a completely different issue. Michael says, "Hey, yeah, we can do this climb or whatever." Okay, great. So we go up and Josh is stuck in his big gears. So. He's in his big ring, and I don't know what you're in in the back, but it it was optimal for flat. Um, it wasn't good for climbing. And so out of solidarity, I had a solidary, decided to say in my big ring, you know, okay, I'll just you know, I'll work with him and I'll put myself through some suffering. And we start getting up maybe halfway up the climb or something. And we're just at this point. Josh is taking a break, and I'm thinking, okay, well, I can't take a break. I can't take a break. I can't, I have the option. I could just keep going. I can't take a break. And then finally I stop. And looking at Michael, I've never sweat this much on my bike. Josh pulls up. Are, are we done or what? And I go, Well, you know, I'm I I am thinking, you're, you know, are you good or do you want to head down? Well, don't place this on me, Josh says. and I'm like, oh shit. So we have to finish thing out. So we get back on our bike, stay in the big <laughs> ring, get up to the top of this and get to the top. He goes, yeah, I'm not letting you put that on me, man. We're, we're finishing this thing out. Don't, don't put that on me. So, you know, <laughs> he's, he's got quite a bit of grit, which is what I love about, uh, you know, training with Josh is he'll always, you know, we'll be riding, maybe we stop, grab some water. How are your legs feeling? How are your legs feeling? And then it's this thing between us where it's like, don't, Don't ask me, dude. We're, we're fine. Like, you know, we keep checking in on each other. Like, oh, no, are you good? No, no, no. Are you good? That type of thing. So, uh, the amount of grit that he has is, I mean, you can hear it from these stories. Right. But it's, uh, it's one of my favorite things about training with Josh for sure.
0: You know? Yeah. I remember when you said his batteries weren't charged and, uh, I thought just like you said, right. You don't come with like all the equipment super prepared. Right. So I was like, okay, he didn't have his battery charged, but did that happen two weeks in a row? Because I thought I heard it again, and it was like, yeah, his batteries weren't charged. But obviously, you're now saying it's not a battery issue. But in my mind, I was like, did
1: he really not charge them two weeks in a row? Tell him the story, Josh. I mean, we might as well be bike mechanics at this point. Yeah,
2: so I, th- once again, this is typical me. And I this is not something I'm proud of, by the way, is the second week. Boston's like, of course. He texts me the previous day, and he's like, "Are we biking in the morning?" I was like, "Yes, we'll. Be, I'll be there." And I charge. I actually do charge my battery, so I want to just let everyone know that I was prepared for that. But I put the batteries in, and it's still not shifting. Which hmm. I know hmm. both you, Chris, and Austin would have done their due diligence to check this. Maybe after the ride, I absolutely did not. So. I was just like, well, crap, it's not working. But it's just like, but I'm not going to let Austin down in regards to this ride. So I just say, screw it. I'm going to go out the door. And then I start texting Austin. I was like, do you know anything about my bike, by the way? Like how to fix it or anything? <laughs> and we we, so we just go on YouTube on the side of the road when we're about to start. And we're just like trying to figure out like my bike. And You it have the SRAM.
0: Up, you have SRAM ETAP? Yeah. Because you're on it, a canyon, right? You're you We know. ride almost the same bike.
2: Yeah. And it ends up being that there was like this little box that Austin told me about. So it was good that I was with Austin. It's like the, the box inside your like bento box area.
1: Like the junction uh, box.
2: Yeah. The junction box. That's the specific word. Thank you, Austin, for clarifying that. Um, and we decided we, we knew it didn't pair with like Bluetooth. So I was just like, oh, my gosh, all we have to do is change this battery So I was like, Austin, go bike down PCH for like five to 10 miles. I got to go see if I can pull this battery out from somewhere. And ended up, I did have the battery in one of my key fobs for my car. So I took it out of my key fob, put it in my bike, start shifting. We're golden. You know what I'm
0: saying? (laughs) (laughs) Can't get into his car now. Yeah, exactly. I can't get into my car, but I can
2: ride my bike. So (laughs) for operations, I'm still winning.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, so uh, on the exact opposite side as you, I actually carry a 10-pack of those 2032 <laughs> batteries in my car. <laughs> <Unreal>. <laughs> Along with a separate set, two eTap batteries for my shifters, just so that they're always charged, because I'm paranoid that uh, I'll get there and it won't work.
2: Got it. So for all the kids out there that are going to listen to this, because I know this this podcast is going to get big, and they decide to scroll back to what episode is this? Three. Episode three. Always bring your batteries. Don't yeah. do what Josh does. Do what Chris does. <laughs> Be prepared. <laughs>
0: Well, All just right. know anytime if we ride together, I'll always have extra batteries for you.
2: Well, that's exciting. That's uh, Austin's a waste of space at this point. I, feel <laughs> I don't like carry we anything. Need to switch
1: partners. <laughs> I don't some- carry food. I don't carry anything extra. I don't have batteries. We got to get them on a canyon. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah.
0: <laughs> nice. Well, before we're we're coming up on an hour, but I wanted to to ask. Uh, you started and you when you when you talked about training for your first Ironman you didn't really understand the training. You were just kind of learning. So fast forward to today and now you've qualified for Kona, you're training for the next year and a half or so. Um, Do you have a coach? Has any of that changed? What, what are you doing now?
2: Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a really good question. Um, So I, I actually had a friend um, when I, when I first moved out here to like stay in shape, I was doing like master swimming not like in any, I was literally just doing master swimming like in the morning for like an hour. I wasn't doing anything. And I just happened to meet a, like a, two of these other guys that were living in orange County. And one happened to be a person that had previously had Ironman experience, but most importantly, he ends up being like till this day, one of my, one of my really great friends. Um, he was actually the person that kind of introduced me to training in terms of like what you need to do. So like, is he a coach? He's absolutely like a huge reason why I've learned to train that I do, but it's more of like a accountability partner that just happens to be like a great friend and, uh, and extremely grateful for him. But like just to even put him in perspective, his name is Dan Toberman trained a race. That was a shameless plug in terms of it. Uh, this, this guy is you know, like growing up with the coaches that I had. I mean, I swim under some of the best coaches that has probably ever existed in this this world in terms of swimming. And to see the way that he approaches, the way that I train, and the amount of care that he has towards me. Without, I mean, I I haven't paid him a dime, and I should have paid him like so much. Like I owe him so much as a human being, but. Uh, yeah, he, he he guides me knowing full well that I'm the mindset that will go overboard and he's more of a conservative coach when it comes down to it. So when we communicate, it's mainly as a result of, Josh, I think you're doing too much and you need to hold back in this category. So it's like a great accountability partner slash uh, good friend slash caring, but uh, he, he's the guy that I work under and I, I don't know if I'll change that for a very long time because the guy is more intelligent, understands the sport more than anyone that I've ever known. And truthfully has provided guidance in ways that I could have never imagined. And even just fast forward to like our relationship is he was actually at Ironman Sacramento and, uh,
0: Oh, that's amazing. to see
2: him at the very end of the race. Uh, I just remember crossing the finish line, giving him a high five. I've never seen someone more excited or proud of, of an experience. And, i'm so happy that i was able to give back in that way in the same way that he's given to me so dan toberman shout out to that guy that guy is he's he's unreal and he's taking
1: on athletes i assume so people listening up should probably contact him has he got an email or anything
2: Um, He does. I actually don't know what (laughs) what his email is. We got to get him
0: involved with OC Endurance is what we got to do. That's right. That's right.
2: He would would, would love to be involved. That guy geeks out on just about anything. Oh, my Um, God.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll take care of that tomorrow. We got to get him involved. So well, you got to tell him about the podcast anyways because you dropped his name. So now he has to listen to the entire show. We won't tell him that it was at one hour and two minutes. Tell him that (laughs) we talked about him. He's got to listen to the whole damn thing.
2: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But like but for other people to like even find value from this is like uh, we're we're very much into like 80/20 of like 80% of the training that I'm generally doing on a daily basis is 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 like zone 2 training no matter mm-hmm. what. A lot of people mm-hmm. will think I run too slow. I don't. I I go a lot by physiological uh, markers. So for example, I go a lot by heart rate. Um, my my zone two running can go anywhere from seven minutes to nine minutes, depending on how hard I went the previous evening with my friends at the local pubs. Um, but that was a joke. I don't do that as a triathlete either, but it's true (laughs) (laughs) is, is I'm big into 80% of my training being at a very low heart rate with 20%, uh, you know, mixing in a lot of things. And we've gotten a lot more into interval training as I progress as an athlete. Um, overall. So that's just kind of like the basis in terms of what we had to do. And if there's any recommendation that I have to anybody, it's the fact is if you're going to do this, your whole goal, you can research anything, go on YouTube, put your butt on the saddle and pedal, um, for as long as you can for, uh, as, as hard as well, not as hard as you can at a pace that you can go ahead and talk. You do that and you get good at that, then you can progress to the next level. But it's really about time, commitment, being able to make sure that you're, you're dedicated. And that's very hard for me as well to stay in that zone too, by the way, I want to push all the time, but Mm -hmm. doing it has one been one of the biggest change agents in my career, especially in this domain.
0: Yeah. Well, you swam, I'm not going to say a short distance, right? You swam the 100, 200 was kind of your specialty. So those are kind of all out right? You did a lot of hard swimming, right? And now to come to this sport and 80% of your training is, is not per se hard, right? It's at a very easy pace. That's a big mind shift.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I was training for one to two minute races essentially, and now I'm going to, you know, eight to 10 hour races. It's a very big change in terms of, uh, what I'm doing, but yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, cool. Well, Before we really go, only because I'm a fan of the company, we mentioned Varlow a little bit. What You're you're involved with Varlow as kind of a Varlow athlete. Is that right? Uh, I mean, yes. how'd you get involved with them? Uh, you know, just uh, talk a little bit about your involvement and what you're doing.
2: Yeah. I mean, one, one of the things was, is actually uh, uh, my coach, Dan, once again, I'll, I'll mention him. He was just like, I think that with this sport, you should get more involved in like a community of, of people trust me, it's gonna make your life just a lot better. And he recommended Varlow as a person just to reach out to. And I've just been amazed about them overall. I mean, their, their gear is top notch, but I think their community is insane. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by the community is insane is just like, it's a real community that believes in the person getting better than they were yesterday, rather than comparing themselves to who someone was yesterday, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's progress for yourself, to make sure that you're getting to wherever you need to be. And the amount of people that I've had on a race course or just randomly have reached out to me on social media to cheer me on in ways that even some of my great friends don't do has been an amazing experience. And I can't thank them enough for the community that they've built or the people that they are in terms of what they're bringing to the sport when it comes to diversity, inclusion, um, everything around that. I mean, it it truthfully has been also one of the greater and cooler experiences that I've had when it comes to this, just, just unintentional, uh, being a part of it has been, been great.
0: Well, that's awesome, man. Well, I enjoy it. I know Sujin's part of that community as well, so I kind of I'm I'm I see it, right? And I know that you guys are always doing it. I mean, they're they have a Discord server as well, right? And they're doing a ton of group stuff and fun stuff every month and uh I think she's on the fun committee, the Varlo fun committee. So She's very uh, fun, by the way.
2: without, without <laughs> her I would have never met any of you. Like she She's, she's like so good at making sure she's so persistent saying, here's what we're doing. And she's like, oh, Josh, you didn't see my text message. Here's what we're doing. And, but that's what I need to be able to go ahead and continue to do it. But yeah, she's a huge part of the community. She's super fun, but uh, she's half the reason also as well that I've been connected to you, to Austin, to Tony, et cetera. So shout out to her as well.
0: Yeah, no, she, 100%. it's funny because she, she won't come on, like, she doesn't want to be on a podcast, right? She doesn't want to talk. She doesn't want to be in the spotlight, <laughs> but she is she's like the little network connector, right? I mean, it's funny how she is uh, very persistent. I will agree that she is very persistent, but she, she just will connect. She's like, we should get Josh to do this or, you know, so-and-so does this. And and she will just make these little connections and introductions. And she's the one who brought me into, I always trained alone, right? So I always give her credit that I, Mm -hmm. other than master swimming, I didn't train with anybody. And her persistence, of just like, you should come train with the the local run club, right? And bring me into that. And and because of her, I started to experience a community, right? It was the local run community. And because of that, that drove me to want to create this triathlon community, right? Grow something beyond, because there are run clubs, there wasn't really a big Orange County community. So it was, yeah. So I, I credit her for that and that persistence and kind of pushing and, and kind of networking us all, so.
2: Yes, absolutely. Without her, I I probably would number one be here. Uh, I probably would have met, never met you, Chris. I probably would have never met Austin. I know I wouldn't have met Tony um, as a result of it. And I, I can tell you this exponentially. My even just even over the last couple of weeks alone is just dramatically changed the way I train and just like has made it so much more enjoyable mm-hmm. to be a part of my own individual journey especially having it interwoven with with everyone else's so
0: that's awesome well thanks for coming on the show josh I appreciate it man it's awesome to kind of hear your backstory and it's it's been really cool to follow your race and your race results and i mean it's impressive so we appreciate you being part of the community
2: yeah well thank you for having me i really appreciate it
0: so if people are interested in looking you up and stalking you on on social media is there a place that they can go
2: uh i guess i guess yeah uh,
0: <laughs> he's like oh i don't know how to answer that
2: uh, you can i guess you can find me on the leaderboard on strava um i'm just kidding
1: <laughs> at the top of uh, that tippy top i'm
2: on i'm on instagram a little bit i guess josh right. josh hall 001 is is one and then i'm on strava uh is there like a is there like a tag name that people have on strava
1: i think it's just joshua hall that yeah. they it's, just
2: it's gonna be joshua hall on strava uh-huh. I'm sure uh, it's
0: the very first Joshua Hall that comes up.
2: Hopefully. Hopefully the one and only <laughs> uh, even though it's probably the most generic name in the world, outside of John Smith. So uh, yeah, outside of that, I I'm not really that active on social media. But anyone who wants to connect or learn more uh, in any way that I can find or like add value to their lives, I'm I'm more than interested in in hopefully doing that. So
1: awesome. Uh, awesome. How about you, Austin? Where's your dogs? Yeah. It's time for you yeah. to talk. No, about- yeah, he hasn't barked. Don't, don't say anything. He's going to start barking. That's how we know the show's over. Uh, yeah, just uh, at, on Instagram at 714 Endurance. Um, and then, you know, email us. Uh, what's the email, Chris, for the podcast that we have? It is podcast at an ocendurance.com. So make sure to email that if you guys have questions or you want to hear us go over anything. You want Tony to kind of go into depth about some technical stuff or hear stories or anything like that. Um, I think we want to start getting more questions and opening this up a little bit more. Um, Just have some fun stuff and we'll let you guys know when we have guests on if you have questions for those specific guests. Yeah, and you're definitely coming back on, Josh. So mm-hmm. as, as you continue to race, we're you're, you, well, you will at
0: least be on after Kona. <laughs> well,
2: well, well, you say you say that now, but by the by the time you guys start getting some of these real professionals out there, uh, you guys <laughs> trust me, <laughs> I'm going to be old news oh, when man. it comes down to it, and I'll just remember that one time, and I'll look back <laughs> on that like an old man. We'll just be all smoking our cigars in the golf course, be like, "Do you remember when I was on that podcast, the third episode?" Yeah,
0: Austin's going to be yeah, on the I Discord remember. channel all saying,
1: Josh keeps asking me about coming back on the show. That's right. That's right. (laughs) What do I tell him? We're going to do an Ironman Arizona build or something like that leading up, you know? (laughs) Well, awesome. Well,
0: as far as myself, you can find me at uh, CJ Media uh, on Instagram and on YouTube. I am making videos again. I actually, I'm almost done with a video. Uh, Unfortunately, I had to do this podcast and I couldn't finish the video. So as soon as I'm done here... I'm gonna go back and finish that. Video. There we go. So, we need yeah. our fix. I know. Tomorrow, I think I'll release one. So, nice. produce a podcast. Produce a video. There you go. Multitasking. Right. Yes. Yes. Thanks, well, I Josh. gotta thanks use thanks this voice on, somehow. Apparently,
2: dude. Tr- just trust me. If you're ever looking for a, I actually don't ask me because I probably wouldn't be able to connect you. Sujan is the connector uh, <laughs> in terms of where you can get that voice. I'm just here as a supporter for you, man. That's it. All right, That's all right. I got.
0: Well, I always wondered, maybe now coming to the stage, Joshua Hall. And then I come to the stage and start speaking
2: for a second. They're like, actually, let's, let's go with our next guest. All right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, guys, thank you very much. And uh, we will talk to you guys soon.